Thanks for listening to Blue Collar Finance. Hopefully we can keep doing this every week. Please stay tuned. Let's see how much I fuck this up. This week's episode is about equities. Let's get on it. Hey, this is Ken Finnan from Capital Advantage Tutoring, and it's my job to get you to pass the SAE exam on the first time. So if you want to prepare for the SAE exam, a key component of your SAE exam prep is watching my videos. I will help you. I've gotten some feedback. Some people say I'm good. Some people say I suck, whatever it is. Some people don't like my attitude. I love my attitude. So here's my thing, and free is free, right? So first of all, if we want to raise money and I'm a corporation and I need to do some stuff, what I'm going to do is I may give up part ownership of my company in the form of equity. So I'll create a C corporation, have a board of directors, and I'll sell shares to raise money. So basically, it's a legal structure where you buy into my company, you have limited liability, any of the owners have limited liability, you can only lose what you put in. So you put in 50 grand, you put in five grand, you put in $200. All you can lose is the 200, no matter how bad I get. The other way to raise money is to borrow it in the form of a bond, which we'll go heavier into in later chapters. But the bond is where you lend me $1,000, and I'll pay you back that 1000 in like 30 years. But I'll pay you like 100 bucks a year as an interest, as a thank you, every year. That's debt. You're not an owner. So remember, if you're in equity, it's common or preferred, you're an owner. If it's a bond... You're just a creditor. You have no voting rights. The only right you have is to get your money back and to get paid before common and preferred. So God forbid I go out of business. I pay you bond first, then preferred, then common. Or even just general, when I'm paying everyone, it's bonds first, secured, then unsecured bonds, then preferred, then common. Okay? So that's the two ways. So now, there are two types of equity, which is ownership. We have common stock, which is basically your owning it's the one you always hear about, the one that if this, if you're watching this in the first week of March, you're watching the price of those things tank. So that's common stock. Common stock moves up and down with the profits of the company and, and what people think of the company, and you have all these great things. So common stock works with the company. It has a lot of growth potential. If you think the company is doing well, it goes up. If, it, if you think it's going crappy, it's going to go down. That's based on what we think the company is going to do, okay? We're also paid last in the form of, vac- of vacation, in the form of bankruptcy. But the good thing is what you can get is you can get dividends. If you have stocks, you can get a dividend. Maybe not fixed, but maybe we have a good year. We'll give you more dividends, okay? The other type is preferred stock. Now, let me go over this. Common stock gets dividends, but the big thing about common stock is you can vote. You have a lot of rights you can vote. Preferred stock has a fixed dividend. So you have a preferred stock, and you say you buy a 5% preferred. Well, par is 100, so 5% of 100 is 5 bucks. So you're going to get 5 bucks a year. Not guaranteed, just likely. And it's really into four things, four dates, so it's quarterly. So you get like a buck and a quarter, a dollar twenty-five a year. So if you have a 4% preferred, you're going to get 4 bucks a year. If you have a 10% preferred, you're going to get 10 bucks a year. And each payment is going to be in fourth, so you're going to get it four times a year. But the thing about preferred is while they get paid before common, they don't get to vote for crap. Basically, the only thing you're buying it for is to get that dividend. They don't get stock split stuff. They don't get to vote. They don't get preemptive rights. All the stuff we'll talk about over the next few weeks or whatever, they don't get that. Preferred basically goes, eh, just give me money. Pretty boring. It trades exactly like a bond. 
Okay, does that make sense? Okay. So now, what I'm going to do is common stock. Common stock, when we issue, we're going to, first we're going to say, hey, we're incorporating, we're going to authorize 20 million shares. That's not what we're issuing. That's just what we're authorizing in the corporate charter. Now, if we want to issue, we take out of that. So we have a big pool of authorized shares. We'll take like a million out of that and issue them. So those are called issue. And that's what we sell to the public to raise money. Say I have 20 million authorized. I grab a million. I'm lucky enough to sell them at $20 a share. I sell the million at 20. I now have $20 million to go do capital projects. Now, that means I'm giving up ownership of my company. But what's cool is that say I issue it and I go, you know what? I really like my company. I want to buy it back. Or maybe I want to give some of my employees some shares. I can buy some of it back in the open market. Those are called, That's called treasury stock. So we have issued and then we have treasury. So issued, then we have treasury is us buying the shares back. Issued, then treasury. Issued, we issue it. And then treasury, we buy it back. So it lowers the outstanding. So outstanding is what's out there in trading. So again, we have issued, treasury, and outstanding. So issued minus treasury is outstanding. For all you people my age or more, if you remember the OJ trial, the way way I remember is Judge Ito. Issued minus treasury is outstanding. Judge Ito was the judge in OJ. So issued minus treasury equals outstanding. Outstanding is what's out there in trading. If you want to buy shares, you can only buy outstanding shares. Treasury stock is not does not get devoted, doesn't get dividends. All it is is a little notch on the balance sheet for treasury. You, it does not get devoted. You cannot buy it. I cannot sell it. I cannot do anything. The only thing I can trade is the outstanding. Now, this isn't in this chapter, but when they talk about market cap, this is what they're talking about. You take the amount of outstanding shares, multiply it by the price, and that gives you the market cap. That's why Bezos and Bill Gates for a while were going up and down and who was the richest guy because their share price was going up times what they owned. So that's it. Now I'm going to go through this and then we're going to do another video later on this. So you have the right to inspection, that which means you get to, as a common shareholder, you have the right of inspection, which means you can look at certain books and records of the company, usually a 10K or a 10Q. You have the right to vote on important matters, not the, not the chairman of the board, not not dividends, but you get to vote on stock splits and actual board of directors. You have the right to receive dividends, which means we pay you quarterly. The company will pay you a portion of the profits. Remember, I'm going deeper on the next one. Right? You get, it over, you get to say you own the stock. It's a piece of paper that goes, hey, can own shares. And then you have the right to freely transfer, which seems like it's not a lot, but it is. The right to get rid of your shares. You buy it now. Two minutes later, you sell it. You can do that. If you invested in my LLC, feel free to send me if you want to invest. You would have to come in, get lawyers and weeks and papers and sign and get in. And then you go, wow, he's an asshole. You go, oh, I got to get out. Weeks and lawyers. So that's a big deal that the right to transfer is you can transfer. Boom, you buy it, sell it two minutes later, two seconds later. Um, Let's talk about the rights of being a common stockholder. So I kind of went over it at the end. I kind of rushed through to the end. So I'm going to do a little bit more. By the way, I did figure out that since I... I thought about buying a better camera with better, like, graphics or whatever it was. But I figured out I'm much better looking in a crappy camera. Blurry is blurry. Okay, so now, the rights of a common stockholder. So, one, you have the right to inspection. That just means you get to look at the books and records, like the 10Q quarterly report, not audited. 10K, the annual report, audited. 
it's not as big a deal now because they you can just get it online. But in the olden days, in the beginning of the internet in the 30s, you couldn't get one unless you were a shareholder. So they had to mail it to you. So you would get it. At, that's one of your rights. You can't sit there and look at the book. You can't look at like the board meeting minutes or anything. But you have a right to look at the financials and stuff. But pretty much anyone can see them now. You have the right to vote. That's always a great one. So we have the right to vote. You have the right to vote for important matters. Like you cannot vote for dividends. You cannot vote for cash dividends. You can vote for stock splits because it affects the price. You can avert a vote for a merger or a takeover. But the big one is you're voting for the board of directors. Not the chairman, not the CEO, not the CFO, the board of directors. And I think they come up every three years or so. Um, like I thought the rule was every third, a third has to come up every year. So that would mean every three years. Um, but here's the way it goes. There's two types of methods. First of all, you are always going to get one vote for every share you own. Again, you're going to get one vote for every share that you own. Okay. Now, depending if it's statutory or cumulative. Statutory means you get one vote for every share you own per board seat. Okay. So if you have 100 shares and three board seats, you get 100 votes per board seat, and that's the way you have to use them. If you decide not to use that vote, you lose it. Okay? Good. Now, cumulative. Better for the smaller investor, the minority investor. Better for the smaller investor. Here's what happens. Same thing. Three board seats, 100 chairs, you're going to get 300 votes. See how I said it differently? You're going to get 300 votes to use whichever way you want. Say you really like this one. You know, this one is very pro-dividend. You can put all 300 votes on that one person. But then you don't have the other votes to spread around to the other ones. You use them all on one. So cumulative, you get to mix and match. Statutory, you use them where you got them. Cumulative, you can put them all on one person. You can even put 150, 150, and nothing for the third. Whatever you want to do, it's up to you. Okay. My old teacher called it the Burger King method. Have it your way. Okay, so now, again, Statutory is normal, is just everyone. Cumulative gives the minority investor more voting power. Not more voting shares, more voting power. You have the right to receive a dividend. You're not guaranteed a dividend, but you have the right to receive a dividend. That is like getting a little bit of money, little profits, okay? So, so here's the funny part. So you can get a cash dividend. You can get stock. You can get stock of another company. We'll explain that. And you can get product, which would piss me off. Like, you get Gillette, you get a bunch of razors. Okay. Cash is easy. You get a cash dividend, you receive a dividend. That's where, if you remember my acronyms from the other things, and I think they go into it later, but I'm going to do it now. DERP. Okay? So, DERP is the order. Declaration X Record Payable. I think Chapter 13 goes into the date, so I'm going to save it for that. But a cash dividend, you get a ca you get cash. But understand, on the X day, which is the day before the record date, ooh, I'm trying to lead into that. Um, the day before the record date, they drop the price by the, by the amount of the dividend. So you do not want to tell your client, hurry up and buy it before the X day so you get the dividend, because it does, it's, one is called selling a dividend and it's wrong. So what happens is we have X day, then we have Coom date. Coom, very Latin. So we have Coom date, which is, the day before the X date, whom means with, and X means without, like ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend. So remember, whom and X. Whom means with, 
I have to be very careful how I say that. So if you look it up, you'll see why. And then there's ex dividend, which is, means without the dividend, which is the day before the record date. Not before the declaration date, not before the payable. It's the business day before the record. I can also get stock. I, they can give me more stock. Say I own 100 shares at 50, and they give me a 10% stock dividend. I now have 110 shares, but the price drops down to like $45.45, so it's all even. There's no real gain or loss on this. I just have more shares. Then we have the uh, stock of another company. How this works is, say Pepsi has a, dist a food distribution, which they do. Did you know, and I didn't know this until I was like maybe 30 years ago, I was in college delivering pizza. Pepsi owns Pizza Hut, Frito-Lays, Taco Bell, all that stuff. I think it's Frito-Lays. But um, they have a food delivery. Back then, Pepsi was all one big company, and they did the food delivery stuff. I mean, they handled it under their company. Now, come like the early 2000s, maybe late 90s, they spun off their food delivery thing into Yum! Brands, which you may have heard of. So Pepsi, say Pepsi was trading at $50 a share, and you own one share of that. They spun off Yum! Brands, and they said, okay, anyone who owns Pepsi will get one share of Pepsi, like they have, but will also give them one share of Yum! Brands at 25 So what happens is you own one share of Pepsi at 50 now you own one share of Pepsi at 25 and one share of Yum! Brands at 25 Same value, but it's a spin-off, okay? So, but that's like the stock of another company. Third, fourth, I can't count, uh, product. That's like if a company gives, like, say they want to try a new product, they can send it to their shareholders. I would be pissed if I got it. But prior to Internet, when I was 16, I bought shares of Playboy, hoping, but nothing happened. Okay, now, right to evidence of ownership. So this is saying you have the right to say, look, your name's on the books. You're an owner. Yay, that's not really a right, but they list it here. Okay. The right to freely transfer, we spoke about this on my last episode. Ooh, episode, I sound so important. So, episode, uh, the right to transfer is the ability to get in and out very easily without having to go through paperwork. You buy IBM, and two minutes later you want out, you can sell it. That's actually a very valuable right. Now, okay, if, if you own... If you're a restricted person, usually it's like if you're a if you're an owner or a partner, officer, director. When a company does an IPO, a lot of times they'll set up. This is not a FINRA rule. This is company rule that they will uh, put a lockup period on it. Okay, so they will call these shares restricted, and they will be have a lockup, like they'll say six months or anything. Like when Facebook first went public, Zuckerberg says, and it was dropping. He goes, even after the lockup, I'm not selling my shares. It was a vote of confidence that he want, that he's all in. Which is fair, the stock took off, and I wish I owned some back then. Now, so restricted shares in this case, usually if you see restricted shares, that means there's a lockup of some sort, whether it's six months or a year or whatever it is. Okay. Now, Rule 144. So Rule 144 is for restricted, basically it's about the sale of restricted securities and control securities. They're different. Restricted securities are usually shares. Well, Rule 144 governs risk restricted securities and control securities. Okay, so restricted are shares that are sold outside of the Act of 33. The Act of 1933 is how you register shares. I don't think we've done that yet. We did a little bit. Now, control is like for partners, officers, directors, 
and 10% owners. I call them the pods. Partners, officers, directors. They have control. Usually control shares have no holding period. Remember that. Usually control shares have no holding period, okay? They just don't. That's not their thing. But they will have some sort of restriction. Restricted shares usually have some sort of holding period, whether it's six months or something. That's if, like, it's a Reg D or Reg A. Sometimes they have holding periods on them, depending, which we'll go into more later in the book. Now, when you sell shares that are subject to Rule 144, you have to notify the SEC a, that you're selling them, and you fill out a Form 144, and dur if there's a volume restriction, there will be, they will, it will be for a 90-day restriction, which, again, we're doing more later. Um, I think anything is coming later, so I'm not going to worry about it right now. So now the other thing is, if you're a control person and you don't want to follow these restrictions, you can actually what they call the de minimis. De minimis means not a lot, okay? Um, de minimis means not a lot, and so, I, so I'm big and fat. I'd be de maximis. I guess. Okay. So now I shouldn't try to joke. I'm not that funny. So if you are a control person and you want to sell shares without filing a 144, what you would do is you would just fill out, now you don't have to fill out anything. As long as the, you don't sell more than 5,000 shares with a value of 50 grand. So if you sell four shares, like of Google, if you sell shares of Google, it's so expensive that it might be over 50 grand, even if you're not selling the 5,000. So you, if you sell 5,000 shares or less, that's worth 50,000 or less, you do not have to worry about the form. They figure it's such a small amount, who cares? I could use a 50 grand, but I guess they're saying it's not that big a deal. Now, if you are a control person, they put a volume restriction. And I love this. It's so easy. Rule 144, there's a volume restriction. 1%, you can sell the greater, the greater during the 90-day period. So again, let's since I made it confusing. If you're a control person, you have a restriction on how many shares you can sell during any 90-day period. And the way they do it is you fill out the form and they go, okay, you can sell the greater of 1% of the outstanding or the past four weeks trading volume. Again, you can sell the greater of the 1% of the outstanding or the past four weeks trading volume. I love this. Watch. So, so 90 days happens four times a year. Okay. So 144 is the rule. So it's 1%, 1, four weeks trading volume, four times a year. 144. That's how we remember this shit. Okay. Next. Classifications of stocks. Okay, so let's talk about this. A lot of people have problems with this, okay? So blue chips, that's the shit. They're the good ones. They're pretty damn safe. They usually pay dividends. Unless it's a blue chip growth stock, then they don't. But blue chips are like they usually have dividends. They've been making money every every month for years and years and years. They're the top. Like if you think of the Dow Jones, those are pretty much all blue chip stocks. Then we have growth stocks. Growth stocks are like... They're newer, they're funner, they're fancier. They take their money and reinvest it in dividends, so they're not paying you. They have what they call a high PE, price to earnings. They're basically, you're gambling on them. I mean, they're not that risky, but they're riskier because it's more of a smaller company. And a lot of times they retain their earnings. Oh, retained earnings is dividends, is earnings not paid for dividends. So they retain a lot of earnings, very high retained earnings, very low dividends. That goes together. And they are a little risky. You're looking for a better than aggressive, better than, better than average return. So it's more for aggressive investors. Okay. Defensive stocks. 
right now, if, if you're watching this pretty much when I publish it, you would love defensive stocks right now. We're right now in the, uh, in the hell of the coronavirus sell-off, okay? Percents every day, which means the VIX is very high. Volatile markets, VIX is up a little aside. Defensive stocks are like tobaccos, pharmaceuticals, stuff like that. So think of it this way. This is what I tell everyone. Everyone needs to smoke. Everyone needs to drink. Everyone needs to eat. Everyone takes drugs. And I think that's it. Is there another one? I can't remember if there's another one. So it's pharmaceuticals, tobacco, alcohol, and food. God, I know there's an Oh, and utilities. You got to see what you're doing. You got to have the gas and the lights on. So it's utilities, pharmaceuticals, tobacco, alcohol, and food. All those things are needed. So even in a bad economy, those will stay the course. They're not good in a good economy because they're underperforming. But in a bad time like this, they're the staples. They don't really drop that much. Okay. Income stocks. These are stocks that pay high dividends. Higher than average dividends. Usually like um, like a utility company or something basically is that pays a lot of dividends. You're not looking for capital appreciation. Okay. This is more for older people. Utility stocks are big, stuff like that. Blue chips, they can be. That's what it is. They're pretty safe, okay? And they're looking for people who are looking for income, not growth. Cyclical, those are like the ones that run with the cycles. Economy's going up. They're rocket science. The economy's going down. They shit the bed. So remember, cyclicals go with the economy. Economy's good. Economy's bad. Economy's good. They do great. Economy's bad. They do horrible, okay? But, they, but they're basically awesome for an upward cycle, and then you get out of them before they drop, okay? Like appliances, steel, construction, automobiles. Those are things that kind of, you know, go with the economy. Like the economy's going well. People buy cars. People build houses. They'll buy, you know, washers, dryers, and stuff like that. Then they don't have it listed here, but counter-cyclical, it moves opposite. Like when the economy's bad, they do well. Not like defensive, which is just a signal. These actually do better in a bad economy. And one of the big ones is a pawn shop, because when people don't have money, they sell their shit for money. That's why those pawn shows are great. Uh, pawn. Um, another one is uh, car repair. So bad economy, people are not buying new cars, so people just kind of extend the life of their car. Okay. Hope that helps. Now, ADRs. This is the last one I'm going to do, and then next one I'll do the preferred. ADRs are foreign securities trading here. So let me explain this. So an ADR is like British Petroleum trading in London. Yeah, you can open a brokerage account there, buy the shares, but no. What we're going to do is you're going to you're gonna have an ADR. You like British Petroleum over there for some reason. You go and you look and they see on the exchange, BP ADR. What that is is Fidelity or some big brokerage company, maybe Direxion, bought shares of British Petroleum, packaged it, packaged it, and put it into a package, and then sold this on the exchange. So what they do, it gets a packaged product. You buy like 50 shares of, of, you know, you buy a lot, but you break up the British Petroleum into lots of 50, and then you sell that as a shell, a package, on the U.S. Stock Exchange or the New York Stock Exchange or, or whatever, or over-the-counter NASDAQ, stuff like that. So an ADR is a foreign security packaged and trading here. So the foreign security does not register the SEC. But the ADR does, because the ADR is trading in the U.S., and it represents a foreign security. So, okay, guys. Um, if you've made it this far, please hit like, subscribe, and go from there.